0: father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name this week add the next line thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven how many times have you prayed that prayer in your life did you mean it did you mean it i'm becoming more and more aware as i'm working on these sermons that oh my goodness i have a long way to go a very long way to go thy kingdom come not mine thy kingdom come and the first thing that i did i was thinking what did this sound like to the disciples as they're sitting there what is their tradition and what are they likely to be thinking as jews of that time they had a clear understanding that god is king clear understanding in Psalm 24, 6-10, to 10, and this will probably remind you of a song. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? Do you remember that song? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. So the concept of God as king is very well understood during Jesus' time. Psalm 10, verse 16, The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations shall perish from his land. Psalm 22, 28, For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. The disciples and the, the Jews of the time would have believed that the coming of the kingdom of God would lead to the destruction of earthly kingdoms. In the book of Daniel, chapter 2, it says this, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall this kingdom be left to another people. It shall crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it will stand forever." Just as you saw that a stone was cut from the mountain, not by hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has informed the king what shall be hereafter. The dream is certain, and its interpretation trustworthy. So the thought of the kingdom of God, as understood by the Jews at the time, was that when that kingdom came, most current to their thinking, Rome, Would be crushed. They had been under persecution by many different people in their history, and that those kingdoms would finally, finally be taken care of. They were the chosen people. They were going to be fine. They had a belief that the Messiah would be the instrument of God to bring justice to Israel's people. Psalm 2 1 to 9 Why did the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds asunder and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord has them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. What picture did they have in their minds of the Messiah? What picture did they have in their minds when Jesus taught them to say, Thy kingdom come. For them, it was liberation from oppression. They were finally going to be vindicated. So many of the Psalms, Vindicate me, O Lord, vindicate me. John the Baptist, getting into the New Testament. Luke 3. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Even John the Baptist, to the Jews who are listening, They heard it differently than the way Jesus was going to teach about the kingdom. And so I ask you, when you pray, thy kingdom come, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? Keep that in mind. It's a deep question. Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom. In fact, when he told the disciples to go and preach the gospel, go and preach the good news, it wasn't what we typically think of as the good news. That if you believe in Jesus, you will be saved. That is true, and that is gospel. But Jesus said, go preach the good news of the kingdom over and over and over. He gives a hint. Earlier in this Sermon on the Mount where he teaches the Lord's Prayer, that the kingdom maybe is a little different than what they have been thinking. He said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wait. The kingdom of heaven was when... God was going to take over, he was going to hand it over to Jesus, no more Roman oppression, and the chosen people were going to be in a very good place. And Jesus is the first hint, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, really, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus teaches so many images of what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like seeds scattered on good soil. It's like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. It's a pearl of great price. Again, the kingdom of heaven... It's like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. Very different picture. Very different picture of what they would have assumed. Do you want to enter the kingdom of heaven? Thy kingdom come. Do you want to go in? Do you want to go in? Who gets to enter? Jesus is very clear. Little children. And those who have their innocence. Those born from above. Those who have repented. Those who are poor in spirit. Those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Those whose righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, which I just shared. Those who do the will of God. Those who forgive others with their whole heart. Those who are ready and looking for it, like the parable of the bridesmaids who got caught when their lamps went out. Those who embrace it and don't look back. Those who put their relationship with God ahead of family, friends, ambition, and money. Thy kingdom come, we pray. Are we ready to be faced with the kingdom. When does it exist? When will it exist? When I used to pray this prayer as a child, I always thought it meant heaven comes here. It's all good. I didn't know about the Roman stuff back then. But it's like, thy kingdom come. Oh, good. It's going to come and everything's going to be great. It's going to be the book of Revelation after all the bad stuff. And it's true. That's true. true. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven has come. That was the good news. Someone wrote, a timeless reality inaugurated by Jesus' coming to earth. When Jesus told his disciples to preach the gospel, the good news, he was not talking about his dying for their sins. It was that with his arrival, the kingdom was here. One theologian says, it's the already and the not yet. One of those wonderful theological things that when you take all the training, you don't get it. And at the end, you still don't get it. And the teacher says, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Another theologian wrote, the kingdom of God was present in the person teaching and works of Jesus. By faith in him, people received the kingdom of God. And the guarantee of its appearance and total fulfillment in the future. Do you hear the incredible good news in that? What it, how does it say you get to be part of the kingdom? By faith in him. Oh, God. It's not my righteousness. It's not my works. It's accepting Jesus not only as Savior but as Lord. And doing my best, but out of love, not to earn anything. Luke 17, 20-21, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. It's within us who believe. One of my favorite authors, there are some here that, that don't care for him as much as me, is Dallas Willard. And this is what he says about praying this particular prayer. And I love this. When Jesus directs us to pray, thy kingdom come, he does not mean we should pray for it to come into existence. Rather, we pray for it to take over at all points in the personal social, political order, where it is now excluded. With this prayer, we are invoking, as in faith we are acting it, into the real world of our daily existence. Mm -hmm. Thy kingdom come. I will serve the Lord with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my strength. They go together. And so I ask again, do you really want his kingdom to come within you? Do you really want it to take over your life? The kingdom of heaven has unfair labor practices. Paying people the same wage, whether they work two hours or ten, that's in scripture. The kingdom of heaven is like... In the kingdom of heaven, the least shall be first. Which sounds pretty good if you're the least. And who's going to get there first? Prostitutes. and tax collectors. Why? Because they know they need it. They know that that kingdom is better than anything that they could possibly have on this earth second part of the verse. Thy will be done. Oh, sounds like a connection. No wonder he put those two together. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Perhaps the whole verse could be linked this way. Thy kingdom come where thy will will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So who calls the shots in heaven? God, of course. Who calls the shots on earth? great theological battle. (laughs) Who has the right to choose how life will be lived on earth? Do you believe in free will? Have you recovered from Presbyterianism? (laughs) Free will is where the trouble started. God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of everything in the garden except that tree. But Nody made the tree available anyway, and they chose it. <sighs> Wish they hadn't. Theological nightmare. Is everything predestined? Or do we actually choose our destiny? I've had great debates. That's one of my favorite parts of seminary was debating that. And I never took a position. I always say something like, "That eh, it doesn't matter. We'll find out when we get to heaven. Because I don't know. Scripture has it both ways. There's a great story told of a group of theologians who were discussing the tension between predestination and free will. Things became so heated that the group broke up into two opposing factions. Can you imagine people arguing about this? Can you imagine? But one man, not knowing which to join, stood for a moment trying to decide. At last, he joined the predestination group. Who sent you here? they asked. No one sent me, he replied. I came of my own free will. (laughs) Free will, they exclaimed. You can't join us. You belong with the other group. So he followed their orders and went to the other clique. There someone asked, when did you decide to join us? The young man replied, well, I didn't really decide. I was sent here. Send here, they shouted, you can't join us unless you've decided by your own free will. Welcome to theology. We're strong-willed. We're stubborn. Maybe you're not. I am. Do you ever want things your own way? No. Oh, no, no, no. Really? There's a blacksmith who had a young son that was very strong-willed and discontent. Anybody have children like that? I had one in particular. He always wanted to do more than his father would allow. One morning when the blacksmith was forging new horseshoes, the boy came to take a look at his dad's work. That's close enough, the blacksmith told the boy. Those are still hot. After a few minutes, the young boy inched closer to the shoes that were lying on the bench cooling. Son, those are too hot to handle. Don't touch them, the man scolded. Do you see what's coming? Finally, when the man wasn't looking, the boy inched up to the finished horseshoes, grabbed one up, and dropped it immediately, shaking his hands about. See what happens when you're not satisfied with what I told you? You got burnt, didn't you? In quiet stubbornness, the boy replied, No, sir. It just didn't take me long to look at them. (laughs) Yes, thy will be done. Jesus gave us the most compelling illustration of submitting his will to God. Picture another garden. We've talked about Eden, the garden of Gethsemane. Do you know what Gethsemane means? An olive press. It's the crushing of olives. The scripture says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that, If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I want, but what you want. Jesus begged God to change the path that he had come to follow, which makes it okay for me to do the same. I can see the path. it's so hard. It's like, God, please, don't make me do this. You ever feel that way? So many of us are on journeys, health journeys, marriage problems, all sorts of journeys. We wished we didn't have to walk. Can we say, but Lord, I will be done. Jesus uses that word. I talked last week about the word for Father not being the Abba word. This time it is. This is as intimate as it gets. Daddy, Daddy, please. Jesus is not calm. He doesn't keep everything together. This is the Son of God. This is hopeful to me. It says he was distressed and agitated. Deeply grieved. He feels like he could die from the pain. He threw himself on the ground. Do you notice that? He threw him, he didn't just bow down like we think of Jesus in this perfect meal. He threw himself on the ground. If it were possible, I sure wish you'd change the plan. That's the first thing. Second thing, wait, Daddy, with you all things are possible. Please change the plan. will be done. In the book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren quoted C.S. Lewis, who said, there are two kinds of people, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. Tragically, many people will have to endure eternity without God because they chose to live without him here on earth. Warren added, when you fully comprehend that there is more to life than just here and now, and you realize that life is just preparation for eternity, you will begin to live differently. Dallas Willard put it, training for reigning. You will start living in light of eternity, and that will color how you handle every relationship, task, and circumstance. I gave you a little translation of the Lord's Prayer, my translation last week. Let me add this verse to it. And would you please pray with me? Our Father, our Creator, Guide, and Protector, who is both in heaven and right here with us, reveal your holiness that all might recognize your power when they hear your name, that they might realize to whom I really belong. Help me to honor your name and all that I think, say, and do. May your kingdom invade every aspect of my life to shape me into the person you created me to be. Though, Lord, there are many times that I want things my own way, may I realize that you know what is best. Help me to submit fully to your will, trusting you to guide me just as you guide the angels in heaven. And, Lord, would you hear us now as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And, Lord, let us feel within us what we're actually saying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If the ushers would please come forward to receive the offering.